really does walk like him, doesn't it? For those of you listening on the audio podcast, that was Joe Biden's head on Elon Musk's new Tesla robot. And uh, it's got that kind of stilted Joe Biden-esque walk for you. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's January 31st, 2024. January's gone already. Man, just where does the time go? We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Post-game show, rubinreport.locals.com. Um, and we have a big program for you, so let's dive right into it. I want to talk first about uh, this interview that Russell Brand uh, did with Tucker Carlson. It's his first interview since these sort of crazy sexual assault allegations came out that, as far as I know, have uh, not really gone anywhere. But Russell, although he's been doing his own show, and I, I've actually been on his show since then, he hasn't talked much uh, on other people's shows since. And he got into a whole thing about what really is happening here these days. Because as the truth is bursting forth on the internet and the nonsense from the mainstream media keeps trying to push everything down, I think more and more people are seeing something. Uh, and he hit something, It's gonna, we'll start with this clip actually. Uh, you know, I always talk about that sort of thin veneer of progressivism, There's, it sort of feels nice on the outside if you don't think about it for too long, it's kind of good. And then if you just peel back that thin veneer, then you see something kind of nasty. And, and Russell had a nice take in a similar fashion uh, to what's happening with the authoritarian governments that we are seeing rise all over the place and big tech and the rest of it, that in the old days, we thought it was like a boot on our neck, but now it's kind of got a little paint on it and it's a little shiny and a little glittery, uh, but the results are still the same. But it seems to me that authoritarianism now is being deliberately veiled in a, the insidious language of care, concern, safety and convenience. It seems to me that we are in a time where we lurch from one crisis to another, that the crisis is always used to legitimize certain solutions. And a docile or terrified public is willing to participate in the proposed solutions that usually involve giving up their freedom. We are continually being invited to give up our freedom in exchange for safety or convenience. And it seems that this process is radically escalating. And I feel that this is something that we will see yet more of in the coming year. It's like we're being prepped, groomed, primed for war is coming. That we're being kept in a state of constant anxiety in order to induce compliance. That the ongoing stoking of cultural tension is to ensure that people don't begin to recognize that actually we have far more in common with one another than we do with these curious sets of establishment interests that seem to be transcendent of national democracy. To, to be explicit, I'm talking about organizations like the WHO, NATO, the WF, yes. and their astonishing influence. These think tanks and apparently independent organizations who are not independent when you look at where they get their money, big pharma or the government or the military industrial complex or the kind of people they employ. People from deep state agencies such as the FBI and CIA that have extraordinary affinity with the legacy media and their ongoing agenda. So what I suppose I'm sensing is that totalitarianism now will not bear the inflections or aesthetics of the tw uh, 20th century militarism, guys in medals with moustaches thumping their fists on a desk. We'll be calmly told with, by gentlemen with beautifully coiffured hair or elegantly speaking ladies that just for our safety and just for our convenience, we will be returning to our homes. And anyone that has an audience or a base or an ability to communicate with people to disrupt those types of narratives will be identified and...
Woo, lordy, lordy, he said a lot there. Okay, so let's unpack some of that. I think uh, actually most of what he covered there is exactly what I've been trying to lay out on this show for quite some time, right? That's why the progressive thing has, has figured out a way to take down so much of our system. They didn't do it with, you know, dressed up like Nazis and saying mean things. They did it under the guise of diversity and equity and tolerance, all of these nice things, while they actually were the ones that were calling for you to be locked in your house and forced to be vaccinated and mandates and everything else. So I, I completely agree with Russell that there has been a giant test being run. I don't, I don't know exactly how the strings are pulled, but COVID feels like it was just a test. Could we get a whole bunch of people to not go to grandma's funeral? Could we get kids to rat out their parents? Uh, could we get people to stay at home and eat takeout food and get fat while if they had just gotten a little bit of sun, it might've helped with the virus? Like, could we get people to literally be fired from their job if they don't get injected with our experimental vaccine? And by the way, we're gonna have to change the technical definition of a vaccine because this thing is not a vaccine as we had known vaccines to be for at least a hundred years uh, before that. And then of course you throw in the media part of it, which of course he's right, that we've shown you that video many times, that compilation video, if you watch NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox, all the rest of them, and they're brought to you by Pfizer while they're talking about vaccine mandates and all of the rest of it. So there's been this giant machine that has been kind of screwing with all of us. A bunch of us now are kind of waking up. You can also then connect that to why big tech wants to silence so many people because big tech is connected to all of that. I don't think any of this is some like grand conspiracy. I don't think any of this is really, uh, I don't think any of this is really out there to be quite honest. I think it is actually just something that you have to acknowledge and then figure out how do you, how do you operate within that system, right? Because I, I don't otherwise like, I don't know, what are, you, what are you gonna do? Then ultimately, it'll be three years from now and you will be eating bugs out of a bucket and John Kerry will be flying private eating Japanese A5 Wagyu. Which by the way, I bought a Japanese A5 Wagyu this weekend and Justin had a little bit and mm, the kid likes the good meat. All right, uh, let's uh, shift over a little bit to something that happened during COVID that illustrates exactly uh, what Russell is talking about perfectly. Uh, you may remember this. I think we played this once during COVID. This is an Australian ad. So an Australian ad from the government scare the hell out of people during COVID. Now, remember, he was talking about how these the guys will have nice coiffed hair and the women will speak really nicely as they're pushing you towards authoritarianism. What's the easiest way to do that? Scare people and then they will do it to themselves. <laughs> Authorized by the Australian government, Canberra. Authorized by the Australian government, Canberra. I mean, you see the type of fear, right? I could play four gajillion videos, roughly, of how they did that to all of us. Six feet, social distance, all of this nonsense, right? Well, only so many people can go into a store at a time. People yelling at each other over masks and all of those things, but they were doing it for you, right? And that's the distinction he's trying to make. That's very different than a bunch of Nazi foot soldiers walking into town and, and you know murdering people and everything else. That's kind of the way we think of that authoritarianism, right? The boot on the neck, they're gonna come in and someone's gonna be a little bit different and they'll just kill them. 
there might be something a little more subtle that they're doing. And it's kind of a thing that, that they've done in almost every dystopian sci-fi movie. Bit more from Russell on how the intellectual class, the very same people who are telling you to do all these things that didn't work and get injected with stuff and all that, uh, they don't really care about you. Weird, wild stuff. There's no question that a rise in um, nationalism is an understandable response to rampant globalism. But the ongoing sort of finger pointing and condemnation of ordinary people, I identify with, I recognize it because I grew up in those communities. Professional met metropolitan people don't like working class people, don't like ordinary people. And now they've found a way to legitimize their hatred. Oh, they're all disgusting. They're all racist. Look at them in their MAGA hats. Look at them with their white vans and their flags. Look at them with their perspectives, with their unearned views and their belches and their beer. It's a kind of legitimate legitimization of a loathing of the people that are most connected to the nation. People that generally speaking, a couple of generations ago were asked to sacrifice the lives of their sons and daughters for the, for the idea of nation, an idea that they're now being told doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to illustrate some of that uh, after this ad in just a second. But I, I do want to note that it's important when you see two guys like that sitting down in America today, and I keep talking about how these, you know, it's not really left versus right anymore, and it's mostly, it's mostly, it's mostly authoritarian versus libertarian. And I don't mean you're a card-carrying shellacked member of the Libertarian Party, uh, but it's, do you believe in centralized authority, which of course le lends itself to globalism, and that there really won't be nation states? They'll be sort of the World Economic Forum layer, and they'll have their yearly meetings, and they'll tell the nations what to do, and a lot of people will just say, thank you, sir, may I have another? Or do you believe in more of a libertarian outlook on life, which would lead to functioning nation states, which is what we've had basically for the last hundred or so years, uh, and that you would make some choices over your life. And, th and that really is what the divide is. But there is there seemingly is a disdain. Remember when we showed you a bunch of those videos from the World Economic Forum last week, and you see these people, John Kerry's the easiest one to talk about, who flies on a private jet all the time, you also may remember, what was it, two months ago, testifying under oath that he didn't have a private jet. And then when he was questioned further, oh, it turned out to be his wife's private jet. So they want all of the stuff. They will eat their Japanese A5 Wagyu. They will eat their foie gras. And then they will have you eating lab-grown meat and all of the rest of it, right? That is the disconnect. And we'll show you a couple examples of how they uh, proliferate that throughout the mainstream media in just a sec. But let me talk to you guys about the wellness company. Guys, recent clusters of respiratory illnesses in Northern China alongside outbreaks of what's being referred to as white lung syndrome in the US are scattered across headlines right now, drawing attention to the importance of being prepared for medical emergencies. With close to 90% of pharmaceuticals in the US being produced outside of the country, what happens when the next global crisis strikes? I mean, could this ad be more on point? Countries clamp down on exports, they stockpile, the price of drugs rise, and the pharmacy shelves in America become empty. And this is already starting to happen. You guys have heard me talk about the wellness company before, but when we're staring down the barrel of times like these, their medical emergency kit is a must-have. The wellness company is home to Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Drew Pinsky, and truth-telling doctors who are rooted in their commitment to building a parallel healthcare system and empowering you to take control of your health. In a time when over 40% of Americans say they would avoid a doctor or hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation, the wellness company's medical emergency kit 
provides a solution. This handy little kit includes eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand, along with a guidebook for safe use. This medical emergency kit includes emergency antibiotics, antivirals, antiparasitics like amoxicillin, z and ivermectin to help keep you and your family safe in the face of natural disasters, supply chain shortages, or medical emergencies like white lung or COVID. Go to twc.health Ruben and grab your medical emergency kit to save 15% off your order. And now back to me. So what is it that Russell Brand and, and Tucker Carlson are talking about there that is bringing people together, right? You've got Russell Brand, a lefty his entire life. Now he's, he's woken up a bit and let's say he's come a little more center. He's more into the freedom movement now. He's understanding the problems with the left and identity politics. You have Tucker Carlson who's firmly on the right but on the populist side of that. And then, so it's, it's a movement of the people, right? It's, it's sort of the people against the elites. And then you can, you can really widen this thing when I show you these videos of Joe Rogan who is a lefty his whole life or you see somebody like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who no longer can be a Democrat because of everything mostly related to COVID and then seeing the corruption in the party. You see Bill Maher fighting against his own side. Like you see how the old Republican machine has now completely basically been taken over by Trumpism. That is a signal of something, right? So what is it that is causing so many people to wake up? Well, partly what it is is that the mainstream media has lied about so many things for so long, and finally, we've exposed enough of it that people are going, well, boy, there are some problems here. Now I wanna show you how they, they sort of hate you at that elite level, right? The elites sort of just kinda hate you, and that's exactly what Russell was talking about. Here is Joy Behar from The View. Do we have the, uh, there you go. This next clip shows a certifiably crazy person. Uh, Joy Behar explaining that the rise of Trump uh, is of course kind of like the rise of that is true. That's what I'm trying to say yes. here. But the man doesn't take it. Because no, no, but doesn't it make I'm it more funny? Us. They made fun of Hitler. Charlie Chaplin made fun of Hitler in 1940. By 1945, millions and millions I mean, of people else. were dead. Everyone so else. You the have... audience needs to laugh. The people need to laugh. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I'm not checking on but Trump. Because he's so like, I need everyone else to be. But because okay. he's so thin-skinned, isn't it just funnier when he's mocked? No, but it makes because him so angry. It makes him angry. I don't know what he's going to do next. I mean, let, let, he I make do, a joke about, about him and he'll annihilate the, the whole world. Yes, he'll annihilate the whole world. The guy who, again, pre-COVID, we can all criticize him on the COVID stuff, although for the most part, he left it to the States. He, he did a, some screwy stuff. Okay, fine. Nobody's perfect. Uh, but was giving us the Abraham Accords, uh, was giving us some at least talks with North Korea, Russia was quiet, there was no invasion of Ukraine, but they, they ramp this up. And really what they're ramping up uh, is, is the fear so that they can stay in control. So when Russell talks about these sort of metropolitan intellectual elites, he's talking about the Joy Behar types. He's talking about how, if you just look what the machine produces, it produces a show like The View where they have you know four or five lefties and then just one pet Republican or, or pet conservative. And how does that, how does that give you a snapshot of what, uh, of what America really is? It isn't, but they don't really want you to see what America really is because they don't like a lot of the people in America. Uh, here's Sarah Hines. That's, a, that's for you, mom. I'm saying her name, the blonde lady on The View who my mom always tells me she's not completely insane. <laughs> That's an awful lot of credit for me to give one of these ladies. Uh, here she is explaining how when Donald Trump was president, she had to hide the news from her children. 
Do you know what my child can't watch? News. When you turn it on, I literally had to hide news for four years while Donald Trump was in because as they're learning what a president of the United yeah. States is, yeah. I didn't yeah. want to say, yeah, and that's him right there. So I couldn't even announce the president until Biden and Vice President Harris. Oh, well, Sarah, do you talk to your child about how Joe Biden has dementia and everyone knows it and that Barack Obama is really running this administration or some machinery behind Joe Biden? Or do you talk about his son, the crack addict who had the job at Burisma, and then we end up uh, in this war in Ukraine. Like, do you talk about all that stuff? He always sniffing girls' hair. That's a little weird. Do you talk about that stuff? It's also this thing about uh, we that they had to hide information from their children because of Donald Trump. I remember we were at, we were at a family thing. This is at the maybe year two of Trump presidency. Like so, the, like pre-COVID, but like the height of the lunacy and craziness, and everyone's fighting. And I'm at this big family thing, like 30 of us, and I asked, and everyone's arguing about everything, which my family used to be quite good at that, um, arguing and then just putting everything down, dessert, and we're, and we're all good. So I, I thought, you know what, let me ask my nephew, my oldest nephew, he was about 10 at the time. I asked my nephew, I said, what do you, what do you think about Donald Trump? Because you could see he's the oldest of the generation. He was kind of looking at the adult table, like, can I get in on this? He's, I think he was 10 or 11. I said, what do you think about Donald Trump? He goes, well, he's got crazy hair and he wears a red tie. And I was like, yes, and that is better political analysis than uh, you would hear on CBS or ABC or anything else. The idea that children are being broken by all of this stuff. Children are being broken by being locked at home, children being broken by being forced to be injected with things and not being able to socialize normally and all of that. Anyway, uh, what's the other thing that they do? The other thing that they do is they create all of the problems, like a border problem, let's say. We have a massive border problem. You know it, I know it, everyone knows it, they know it, they're finally admitting it now. But what do they do? They never look at maybe their policies that have caused this problem. They give you Donald Trump. Here is Elizabeth Warren, who is, uh, what is she, 164th Native American, if I'm not mistaken? 1, 268th, 1, 1,064th American <laughs> Indian, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, blaming Donald Trump for the current open border crisis. Is Donald Trump president right now? I can't remember. No, I don't but think the he real is. threat here is the one you identified just now, and that is Donald Trump, who says there's a problem at the border, but he wants that problem to get worse, to continue to be a problem so that he can run on it next November. That is another example of Donald Trump trying to put his own political interests ahead of the interests of the United States. He says he's out there cheering for an economic recession, knowing it would put people out of work, knowing it would cost people their savings, but that's what he wants because he thinks it will help him come November. You know, this is a man who puts himself first and puts the United States of America way behind that. So incredible. First off, just on a funny note, like this thing with her being Cherokee or whatever, it's 10 generations ago. So she's one 1,064th Cherokee yet she wrote that she was part Cherokee on a job application to get a job at Harvard, which she did get. Like, try to think of like the layers of evil psychosis with that woman. A woman who, by the way, is a communist, uh, who also, how much is Elizabeth Warren worth? She's worth at least 20 million, we'll, we'll check. 60 million, a cool 60 mil, nothing like a communist worth 60 mil. Anyway, in terms of what she said right there, first off, could it possibly be true, I'll try to give the devil his due, could it possibly be true that in Donald Trump's mind right now, that because he's running for president, and the worse the border gets, the more it helps him that he kind of doesn't want the border problem solved right now. That actually is true. Like, that, that actually is true, right? If Biden tomorrow solved the problem at the border, 
people would be like, oh my God, Joe Biden is competent. The Democrats actually did fix something. I guess maybe we don't have to vote for Trump. So I'll grant her that. However, blaming the problem on Trump, and we'll get to some numbers in just a sec, is completely bananas because they were the ones calling Trump racist when he wanted to build a wall. Trump came into office only really because of immigration. So it is not Donald Trump's fault. He may, in the most calculating political way, not want it solved exactly right now, which that's just the nature of how kind of evil politics is, uh, but that's a separate issue. Uh, Mika over there on the Morning Joe show, and these two are married, which is just very bizarre to me. Uh, they continued sort of on this theme. Last night, Trump encouraged lawmakers to do nothing on the border. To keep the border open, Trump encouraged them to let fentanyl continue to flood in and let illegal immigrants continue to stream across the border. That's what Donald Trump said. And Republicans are so weak, they're going to do it. They're going to side with fentanyl and illegal immigrants instead of a bipartisan, tough border security So bill. then he went on social media and wrote incorrectly, we are better off not making a deal. Uh, sorry. sorry, I was trying to write down all the crap there. I literally just wrote the word crap. First off, look, there's the word crap, it's there. Um, first off, the, the idea that, that signing this bipartisan, but first off, Donald Trump's not president. That's number one, okay, so that's first off. Donald Trump is not president right now. That's one thing, Joe Biden is president. Secondly, the bipartisan deal, we went through the numbers on this over the last two days here, the deal itself lets in up to 5,000 illegals a day. 5,000 times 365 days a year, thanks to Brock's trusty calculator on his phone over there, is 1.8 million people illegal. So you have all the legals, and then you, they will also allow, they're gonna sign a bill that will allow for 1.8 million illegals. That makes no, then it's not a law in the first place. So Donald Trump in that true social uh, tweet or post is actually correct. You don't sign the deal. You do not sign the deal. By the way, we will be in uh, DC on Monday. Rumble is opening studios on Monday and our Tuesday show uh, will be live from DC and we're gonna be sitting down. Who do we have? We have Rand Paul, we have Ted Cruz. I think we're working, uh, Chip Roy, Thomas Massey, Mar Martha, uh, Marsha Blackburn. And I'm gonna question all of them on this because Congress is in session right now. And for those on the Senate side of this thing, you, if you are a Republican, you cannot sign this thing. If you sign this thing, you're basically signing America's death warrant. And, that, and that's largely what most of these people seem to do, but I, I definitely will put the pressure on them. So Donald Trump's not president right now, Joe Biden is. It's also interesting that suddenly they're all acknowledging there is a problem. When Donald Trump was saying there was a problem years ago, when we had much less of a problem, uh, they said it was because he was racist. Now the problem is much worse. For months and months and months, they haven't been acknowledging the problem. It's only in the last, say, two to three weeks that the mainstream media finally, because of shows like this and Rogan and Tucker and everything else, because we've all been talking about this and more and more people are tuning into these shows, that they're finally like, boy, there is a border problem. We're gonna have to start talking about it and who can we blame? Oh, let's get to the orange man. Let's move over to the televised mental institution known as MSNBC because Joy Reid, she's been back on the Rubin Report docket. It's very exciting. Blonde Joy Reid, uh, she brought on the former director of Hispanic media for Hillary. That's a title for you. Uh, to talk about how if Texas secures its own border, that's actually an act of lawlessness. This massive resistance, it sounds like the old Southerners who said that we will resist integration by any means necessary, that Chip Roy language. How does that read inside of the Latino community? I mean, 
it's it's very it's very simple. No, if you're the Republican Party, you're you're allegedly the party of laws and order, and you're essentially telling local authorities to break the law. No, so I think once again going into this image of you know who is the party of law and order and who is the party for democracy, I think that's where we all have to highlight the hypocrisy, regardless of the politics. They're essentially telling people. How does that read in the Latina community? Like she's such a pandering woman. Um, you know, it's interesting because the, the Latinos, the Latinos that work in or that live in, in these border towns, they are largely breaking Republican because they, in most cases, came here legally. And the ones who didn't come here legally are trying to figure out that pathway to citizenship. And it's their communities who are being hit the hardest. So I guarantee you this, we flash forward 10 years from now, the most right wing anti-illegal immigration uh, segment of the U.S. population is going to be the legal Latino population. Latino, like, so pandering. Um, the Democrats weren't always insane. They were probably, like, if you would have analyzed closely, you would have been like, something ain't right with these people. But they weren't always completely, absolutely insane. Uh, and I'd like to show you this video of Joe Biden. This is just uh, months before he won that election which is still just mind-blowing. Uh, this is in August of 2020, uh, acknowledging that what Trump was doing on the border was actually working. Mr. Vice President, under the Trump administration, asylum has virtually ended. ICE detention centers are practically empty. Uh, your new plan calls for reversing President Trump's harsh plan. But won't that restart a brand new border crisis? I mean, what, what would you do with all those people in camps now waiting in Mexico? It, it will if we don't do it well. We don't reach out to the, to the, uh, the communities that are willing to, the charitable communities that will come in and help. And, and in addition to us spending millions of dollars providing for access, access for judges, access for asylum folks, to be on the border, to move quickly. Because if we just say, okay, all done, we, I've withdrawn the order, you're gonna have a crisis on the other side of the border. And Trump's well. migrant protection protocols, you know, remain in Mexico program. I mean, okay, so that's before the election, him saying, oh, there's no crisis. He's fully acknowledging there's no crisis, like the border is working and everything else. And then basically it's interesting because He's kind of speaking out of both sides of his mouth there because basically he's saying, but you know, you can't just let everybody in. We're just gonna need more judges and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that's not quite right either because that just means you're gonna let in a whole bunch of people. Now, subsequently we've done both. We have brought more judges down there. We let more people in legally. But the real issue is that we've just opened the doors and let everyone in illegally. Here's Biden just a few months later, one of his first orders as president, February of 21, signing an executive order to remove all of those Trump policies that he acknowledged in the video we just showed you were actually working. Today, I'm gonna to sign a few executive orders um, uh, to strengthen immigration system, building on uh, the executive actions I took on day one to protect dreamers and uh, to end the Muslim ban and to better manage our borders. And that's what these uh, three different uh, executive orders are about. Yep, so he reversed all of the things that he once, at least as a candidate, acknowledged were actually working. And then what are the repercussions of that? Here's the Texas border last week.
I tell you guys, I, I don't care why those people are at the border. Personally, I don't care. We cannot have just a gajillion people wandering in. And again, largely men, largely fighting age. Where are the children? Where are the old women? Where are the wives? But either way, we cannot have this. And you might go, Dave, Dave, let them go to Texas. We don't really care about those Texas border towns. For God's sakes, we've got to protect Martha's Vineyard. That's the place we've got to protect. Let them stay in Texas. Well, you know what? They get to Texas, they get to Arizona, and then they get in buses or they get on planes and they go all across the country. Take a look at what was once one of the most beautiful cities in the United States. This is Denver, Colorado, just two or three days ago. This is in Denver, Colorado. Look at all of these migrants. Where do you think they're coming from? Where do you think they're coming from? This is absolutely crazy. What the heck, man? Can barely get through this street here. <laughs> oh my God. What the heck? If you were a mom and you lived in Denver and you were uh, walking your baby with the stroller, would you feel safe walking down that street? Who are these people? What are they doing there? What are they doing with that big van there? Are they cooking meth? Who the hell knows? But you might say, Dave, those hippies, those pot-smoking hippies in Denver, they deserve it. At least this isn't happening in our best cities. At least this isn't happening in the number one city in the world. It couldn't be happening in New York, could it? Well, we've shown you a lot of videos of what's going on in New York. Uh, this is actually quite depressing, but it's worth, it's just worth seeing. Here is a, a group of, uh, of migrants just unleashing all hell, beating the crap out of two police officers in Times Square yesterday. So you can see what they're doing here. Uh, I mean, like, who are these people? What are they doing? They have no fear for the police officers. Nobody will be arrested. And if, if, they, if they detain one of them, they will be released tomorrow. Look at these people. Look at these people. What is going on here? It is not racist or bigoted or anything else to say these are bad people and they've got to get the hell out of this country. And somebody's got to do it. And it's frankly amazing that the Democrats now, again, and it's only because we've all been applying the pressure, are acknowledging there are a problem. They're blaming Trump for the problem, but they're at least acknowledging there is a problem. Do you want to see the scale of the problem? It's actually quite incredible. Uh, there's this great Twitter account, it's Kanoka the Great, uh, and he put up some of the numbers related to illegal immigration. I'm not going to read all of these, but if you go all the way back to 2010, you can see about 460,000 people, and then it's 340, 360, but, and we're bouncing basically in the 300s and the 400s until 2019, right before, who was it? Oh yes, the orange man. Then it jumps to 860,000 illegals. Uh, and then, of course, subsequently, you see what has happened in these last two years, including last year alone, 3.2 million illegals. We know, if you look at those last three years under Joe Biden, that is over 6 million illegals. It's, it's basically 10x in about 13 years, right? From about 300,000 to about 3 million in a year. What country, what system can tolerate that? None. None, actually none. Elon Musk gets it, here's what he tweeted in response to that. The United States is being overwhelmed. And again, guys, for any of you that were on the internet 10 years ago, this is exactly what was happening in Spain and in Italy 
and in France and in the UK and particularly in Germany. This, they were watching their borders be overrun and nobody did anything. And they have much bigger problems now because they have Islamists and terrorist supporters taking over their cities, right? So I don't know, I suppose if we don't do anything about it, that's what we will have. I live in the free state of Florida. I think we're gonna be okay here. Uh, but, but it is a crappy, crappy situation to say the least. The other problem is that, let's say you were trying once again, you were just trying to be the nicest person possible. We should let in as many people, we should help them, we should take our resources and give to them and everything else. Well, the whole purpose of the United States of America is that you assimilate into the culture of the United States of America. What, what did we always say? What did we all learn in third, fourth grade? We learned about the melting pot of America, which was very different than what they had in Europe and very different really from every country pre-America, which was the idea that you come here, you bring your cultures, your food, your languages, all those things. And those aren't the primary thing anymore. They fold into the melting pot. They melt into the, that pot, that soup, that creates something delicious and wonderful. And that's based in freedom and individual liberty and all of those things. But you, you don't forget all of your traditions and everything else. You don't forget where you're from. You don't forget your family and all that, but you, you have it fold into this beautiful thing that is America. The problem now is that the progressives and, and the elitists who will tell us that this place is evil and it's racist and its founding was awful and everything else, they don't even like this place in the first place. So they want now to turn this country into the types of countries that most of our ancestors had to flee from. Who is an incredible example of that? Well, there's at least one of them, actually several, but she's the best. Uh, several examples of that in uh, the United States Congress. Here is Minnesota Hamas caucus member Ilhan Omar uh, at this Somali conference from these videos that have gone viral over these last couple of days. In awaan fursad u helay madaxweynaheena madaxweynaha Soomaaliya madaxweyne Hassan Sheikh Mahmoud in an manta kusoda way no Minneapolis. Aniga iya madaxweyna ha special relationship an kabna. Aniga adera an uwa asigana gabarteyu idaha. Madaxweyna sidi qofkastu uyiri minikan minikaga waye kusoda wow Minneapolis. Adi ad an uwa farahsan hai in manta madaxweyna hena ata hai. Somalia, that ka meshan with the jogo dan wa gurigo da naga madderen sennihin in a naga tahay mail naga folk. Somalia wadna hena kuno shahay kalbigena kujirta malin kasta anka fikirna Somalia. Is that woman? Is she a congresswoman from Somalia or from Minnesota? I'm a little confused because by I'm a, I'm a simple man. I might have misunderstood who she is exactly. Uh, she talks about the president of Somalia, uh, who calls her girl and she calls him uncle. Uh, we played some clips from you uh, yesterday about how she's talking about how it's the Somalians' job in the United States to make America work for Somalia. I mean, this is this is absolutely insane. What's going on with this woman? Uh, here's just a bit more because she keeps referring to Somalia as our nation, our nation. Again, she is a sitting Congresswoman, fairly certain that America is our nation. In 2016, it's election cycle, and you guys have the ability to make an impact 
on where our nation is headed, not only here in the United States, but even in our nation back home. Our nation back home. Um, she would love to turn America into Somalia, a country that she fled and then became a super powerful, influential person in America. Uh, she fled the oppression that she had in Somalia. If you want to see the stark contrast, like the 180 difference between Ilhan Omar, I would recommend that you watch any video. I've interviewed her many times, and she's a dear friend, Ayan Hirsi Ali, who's also a refugee from Somalia, who now has become one of the great freedom fighters across the world. She's a true angel who understands what she fled and why we shouldn't be importing that here. But Ilhan Omar is importing it here. And uh, don't take my words for it. Remember her line on 9-11? Uh, CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something. Some people did something. Some people did something. They killed about 2,000 Americans. I lived in New York City uh, during 9-11. What she's referring to there is CARE, uh, which is the Council for Arab-Islamic Relations or something that supposedly deals with Islamophobia, which is not even a real term, uh, that she was mostly concerned that people were going to say mean things about Muslim people. She shows no concern for the people who were just killed. Some people did, some, did something. Uh, just uh, just a tiny bit more on her because this is just absolutely out of control. She just, the end wokeness account that we reference here a lot, uh, mentioned that she just retweeted this person. So uh, I don't even have to read her tweet there, but the person that she re retweeted, Mujahid Stapio Ibn Islan Al, okay, uh, this is one of his tweets. There is power with numbers, breed like rats and establish global dominance. Inshallah, the 21st century will see the great rise of Islam Glory be to Allah. And she's retweeting this person. Does this strike you as someone that should be in the Congress of the United States? Uh, well, it doesn't strike Ron DeSantis that way. And here's what he tweeted. Expel from Congress, denaturalize, and deport. I want to show you one more tweet on this because uh, Liz Wheeler, who's a friend of mine, friend of the show, uh, she wrote this. I thought it was quite good. Republicans in Congress expelled George Santos, but not Ilhan Omar. And people ask me why, as a conservative, I despise the Republican Party so much, right? And you guys get it. What do I often say here? It's like, I consider myself a Florida Republican. That's a very specific thing to me that is connected to freedom and liberty and competent government and all of that. But the wider party, like they have such an opportunity right here. Why did George Santos get booted out of Congress again? Does anyone even remember? He had colorful socks or something. He made up something on his resume. Meanwhile, we have her and they're doing absolutely nothing. By the way, were any of those clips of Ilhan Omar on CNN or MSNBC? No, why not? That's kind of curious. So the point is we need to speak up. The time is now, right? It is now. We don't want to end up where Europe is now, but we will end up there if we don't do anything about it. Uh, Elon Musk, who again, has been leading the charge on this in that he has opened up X so that we are able to see more and more of these videos. Uh, he had a, a good tweet on what's going on in Denver. We just showed you that video from Denver and he retweeted it. He wrote, if Denver is having trouble with 40,000 illegals, how will they handle the next 400,000? The illegal influx is growing exponentially and just exceeded babies born in America last month. Did you catch that last part? I think we might've referenced, the chart was going around about a month ago, where there are now more illegals coming into the country than Americans having babies. Lay that out, do some basic math. I know math is racist, but you do that over time, do you think we might end up a little bit more like Somalia? Do you wanna live in Somalia? Oh, neither do I. 
So we have to wake up Americans of all political stripes. And that gets us back to where we started at the top, that you now have a lefty like Russell Brand sitting down with a righty like Tucker Carlson and going, there's a whole bunch of bullshit here. Our, our prescriptions for the, our, and our policies maybe disagree. We may feel different things on abortion or this or that, but, but we are acknowledging what the actual problem is. Uh, and the more people acknowledge the actual problem, they might start voting in a way that that elite class is not gonna be happy about. Uh, here's Joe Rogan with Colin Noir on why poor people in Chicago, poor and black and brown people, will probably be voting for Donald Trump this time around. I think it has a lot to do with Trump. Cause you know, when he was running his campaign, he was running a lot of it based on the idea he was going to build that wall and border. Yeah. And so that became that became a, a separation point for a lot of people in the country with respect to what side they fell on. And I think there's a, there's a particular party in this country that utilized it as a, as a lightning rod to create that level of division. And so I think they're kind of trying to reestablish that again. Which is one of the things that's even more gangster about <laughs> Abbott sending yeah. people to Chicago, sending people to New York. Because in Chicago, they're like, it's get like these like people out of here. here right? And the people that live in Chicago, the poor people of Chicago, mm -hmm. like this is bull yeah. These people are getting money. They're getting they're they're getting all this help. They're getting food. They're getting all this stuff that we don't have. Well, but yeah, people, people literally in the place who live there their whole lives, yeah. and then all of a sudden these people s sneak in, and yeah. they're getting this special treatment. You get it. Rogan gets it. Colin gets it. You know why do I show you these clips of Rogan all the time? It's not like he needs the promotion. It's because he's just he's basically a pot smoking, mushroom eating, libertarian UFC guy who has been smashed in the face like they took a cast iron pan and they bash him in the face with reality, and suddenly he's going, boy, I guess none of this lefty stuff makes sense anymore, and I think many, many people feel that. So the question is, what will happen in this next election? Can this, not a political party, can this movement that's loosely based on freedom, that is told that it's racist and homophobic, but actually isn't, can it coalesce around something? That something actually seems to be Donald Trump right now for all his flaws. Like he is the thing that represents the way out of this. That's just kind of where we're at. So now we'll go full circle here. Here's Russell on Tucker uh, talking about what this new coalition could kind of look like. For me, what we need to see is an emergence of a different type of populism that transcends the boundaries of left and right. These things are happening organically and naturally anyway. And what I think is happening is I perhaps it's odd, isn't it? Because the Internet is ultimately a creation of the military. Clearly, they didn't accurately understand that whilst it was going to be a brilliant means for control, and clearly that's one of the wars that's being fought now, it is also a tool for informing and awakening. And I think that we're at this crux point. Which way is it going to go? Are people going to wake up to the reality that we are being confronted with or are we going to sort of nervously cling on to the idea that somehow through comfort and panaceas we might hold on to some old life well the answer to that question is up to you i suspect in blue cities and blue states and places where progressives have taken over and, and brainwashed people and everything else they will live in a society that will largely be based on oh man up top said something, guess we can't go out today. And then there will be other places that will be bastions of freedom, largely red states, where people will live the way they wish to live. They'll probably grow a little bit more of their food and take care of themselves a little bit more. And it might be a little more messy, but that's kind of how it's going to break down. And in some ways that's already happened. And then of course the question that sits alongside that is how does the internet 
remain free? How does our ability, if, if we're all going in our different directions, what keeps us actually as the United States of America? Uh, if the federal government will not do its basic duties like protect the border and then the states have to, will the states start warring with other states? Because for some reason, New York, which is being overrun by illegal immigrants, doesn't want Texas to do the very freaking job that the federal government won't do. A lot of problems, a lot of problems, but uh, I think we can come up with some solutions. And I guess uh, we'll continue to work on it. Guys, part one of my interview with Dr. Drew, we did it in person right here yesterday, uh, will be up later today. The full thing's on rubenreport.locals.com any moment now. Uh, we do have a new Twitter account, uh, Ruben Report Show, if you wanna get clips of the program directly to spread across the universe. Uh, we've got a post-game show, rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, coming up in about 30 seconds. Uh, we do, in case you didn't realize it already, if you were watching on Instagram, we show the first five minutes of every show at Ruben Report on Instagram. Then we jump everybody over uh, to Locals and Rumble, et cetera, et cetera. We leave you with uh, a little Joe Biden, a little taste, let's say, of Joe Biden. Ciao. Today, the White House invites you to enter a new contest called Lunch Without Joe Biden. It's a way for supporters to enjoy a relaxing lunch without Joe Biden going on and on with one of his stories. Like the time his wife, Jill, got a bad haircut or the one about his dog, Dutch, and the squirrel he chased. It takes about 45 minutes to tell and in the end, the squirrel gets away. Dear God, enter now. Go to lunchwithoutjoebiden.com. Let's do this. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.